we're not maybe we're just not vibing we're not on the same uh, frequency level, like whatever the case is. I think uh, I've, I have two phrases up on my whiteboard, uh, keep your blinders on and stay in your own lane. Mm. And that has to do with the imposter, imposter syndrome and getting pulled away and, and looking at all these people who have success and, and that can paralyze us. Analysis by paralysis, right? Oh, or paralysis yeah. by analysis. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Classes in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. What's happening, everybody? Hope you guys are having a great day today. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us. We have a very inspiring episode today. This one was a lot of fun. My next guest's name is Eric Salzenstein. He is the CEO of ERS Coaching. Eric is an online speaking and business coach as well as a TEDx and keynote speaker with his signature talk, From Prison to Purpose. After serving four years in prison and transforming his life, he came out looking to make an impact and in under two years, Eric was able to start and scale two different online businesses to 10K plus months, as well as starting his speaking business and winning the 2019 Advance Your Reach Speak Off, landing a TEDx stage and being featured on top podcasts. We get into all of this stuff. We, we hear about the story of how this happened. So you guys are going to love it. This was such an awesome episode. And Eric has so much energy and the way he tells the story is going to blow your mind. When he's not inspiring people from stage, he's focused on bridging the gap for new coaches by giving them the full blueprint on how to take their passion and expertise and turn it into a successful and profitable online business. His attitude of gratitude and leading with servant's heart is magnetizing and it shows in all areas of his life. You guys, I, I really connected with Eric. We had a lot of fun and I was just so inspired by his story and how he's able to make a shift in his life because there's, there's this, a lot of us go down a dark path. Some of it gets, some of us go through worse things than others and then some don't ever escape from that and they go down even deeper. And it's so great to be able to hear when somebody has done what Eric's done been in prison, turn his life around. And as you guys will hear, as we talk about his journey into prison, what that was like, to be able to see him come out of that and do what he's doing now is truly amazing. You guys are going to love this. We get right into it. We got It's, it's an awesome jam-packed episode. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. You want to listen to this right till the end. And as always, guys, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple. And if you can, leave us a review after. I really appreciate it. You guys are really in for a treat for this episode. Eric Sullivan-Steen coming right up. Here we go. Eric, how you doing, man? Great. Lance, I appreciate you having me on, man. Excited to uh, be connecting and diving in with you today. Yeah, brother. Me too. Um, you got a pretty crazy story and <laughs> I love it. I love, uh, I love just hearing how people in life can battle back from shit and you, you know, you dealt things, you make choices, 
but you know you can make a second you can get a second chance at life and you can you can really do that and and that's what i love about having people like yourself on this show because you know some people think when they make bad choices or things happen in their life that's a be all end all and it's 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 i'm really excited to get in your story man so thank you so much for coming on um before we dive into your story um general theme to start lately is i like to because we got the adversity going on in the whole world right for now for sure for sure how's that been for you you know how has that affected you and maybe walk us through the last couple months and and you know kind of some of the stuff that you've gone through sure man i think uh in general for for us as a society and we can relate this to my personal story right um i believe that we're we're gonna have times where we get an opportunity, right? Our intent to something grabs our attention. Yeah. You know, loss of a loved one, sickness, imprisonment. These things are going to grab your attention. They can jolt you. And that's your time to now say, Hey, where can I make some adjustments? And this is like, I'm, I'm kind of, I woke, I'm, I'm awoke. I'm woke right now. <laughs> where can I make some uh, adjustments? And I think as a whole, as a collective, this is a time where we've been able to kind of breathe and see where we can make some adjustments. We've been forced to slow down and stop. And, you know, this is just, it's really, if you, if you really think about it, it's, it's kind of crazy that as, a, as our entire country has just like screeching halt. And we're, it's, we either take advantage of that or we, we don't. So it's the same thing with me when we dive into my story. I had two choices. I can either change or I don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... As far as day to day, man, um, I'm very fortunate, very grateful to say that I'm able to work from home and my business uh, is helping other people uh, grow their businesses online. And so I've seen, uh, been able to see an increase, um, been able to help more people make a bigger impact, uh, which is just amazing, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, I've been, I can't say that I took a hit there. Very grateful um, in in that aspect. The gyms, my gyms closed down. So that was, that was a crushing blow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> dude, I know. I only do so many uh, resistant bands and stuff, man. Dude, push-ups. I, I, I went to Home Depot and I got a, I got a metal, like a lead pipe and some bands and I'm doing my, my bicep curls in the garage. And, oh man, I had my dumbbells are weak. So they're really, I was double, I was holding two dumbbells. I had an eight and a five. So I had to hold two at one time to get a, you know, I didn't have any heavy dumbbells. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been interesting. A lot of outdoors, a lot of nature, getting outside, uh, which has been huge. Uh, and we're seeing other people. We're seeing like people in the neighborhood you've never seen before. People around that you've never seen before with their kids riding bikes and just like there's people are the outside's definitely buzzing. And I think that's a great sign. And also we look at we've I'm sure you've seen the memes or the pictures where they show like what the the specific area looked like prior to all this and now with the pollution and the, the, how, yeah. More, how, yeah, you know what I mean? It's and amazing. so it's cool. It, yeah, it's yeah. cool. So I think we've been blessed in some ways and naturally in other ways, we've definitely taken a hit. I know a lot of people are hurting, uh, but this is that time where you ask yourself like what adjustments as an individual can I make to come up out of this uh, in a better way? So where, whereabouts in the world are you just for perspective? Orlando, Florida. Okay, so you guys, uh, it's not as tight there and strict, is it, in Florida? We just, we're at phase one of, we're at 20, yeah, we just started phase one, uh, meaning that their restaurants are open up to 25% of capacity. Um, All the theme parks, anything like that still shut down. Uh, But yeah, we're slowly, 
we're slowly kind of releasing all the um the whole you know all yeah. that stuff that's kind of like what we're in. We're in the complete opposite. We couldn't be more opposite parts. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> you're, we're like a, you're complete opposite spots. It's it's uh, really interesting. But yeah, it's um, it's the same here. It's weird though. Like things are just slowly opening up, and it's like I'm like, all right, cut the shit. Let me in here. Like let's let's for real. Like, <laughs> enough of this stuff. You know the one the the biggest thing that I think I I noticed was on rainy days I feel like I'm in twilight zone especially yeah. when we were really in quarantine yeah. like we're lifted off now so things are slowly getting back to normal but we were really on lockdown a rainy day it just felt like there is oh I can't like there's nothing I'm supposed to just lay around all day and do absolutely nothing like it it's just so, th- kind of throws you off it's so bizarre and yeah. I just think the last two months have just been one of the weirdest times and we're going to all look back and go, yeah. wow, like what was that? Yep. <laughs> Did we yep. learn from it? You know, there's going to be a lot of people that started million dollar businesses from this. Yep. There's going to be yep. a lot of people that read a lot of books, did a lot of courses and they're going to go, you know, because I hear a lot of people from 2008 who, who are so successful now that lost it all. It's going to be the same thing. And there's going to be people that didn't take advantage of it too. So yeah, man. Wow. What, what a bunch of lessons. So anyways, dude, let's, let's get into your story, man, because it's not every day that we have a story like this. And this is kind of like, you know, this is, this is the university of adversity. This is kind of like the thing The and you know, because what's happened with this show is that I've had so many different kinds of people come on here and we have different areas of adversity, but you know, I've had only a couple that have had sort of your story. So okay. I'm super excited, dude. So walk us through your backstory. Maybe take us where you feel is the best place to start. Sure. At, and walk us through that journey, brother. Sure. I think uh, a huge moment for me uh, that I remember clear as day is being in uh, the courtroom and uh, I'm a, I got a navy blue jumpsuit on. Uh, shackles are running from my ankles uh, up to my wrist, around my waist. Judge, she's looking down at me, uh, ready to pass judgment, ready to hit the hit the gavel. And um, I'm just like, man, I messed up. And I was facing life in prison. I was 22 years old um, for what was labeled as an armed robbery. Uh, detectives labeled it as a drug deal gone bad. And you talk about having your back against the wall, talk about thinking that you did something you can't reverse, you messed up, you're just like, your heart's in, I mean, your throat, you're just, uh, just sick. Um, and so taking, let's skip ahead, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting a plea deal. So there's no way I, I couldn't beat the case. I wasn't, you know, we were going to plea out. We were expecting like 10 to 15 years on this. This is my first time catching a serious charge. So we were expecting like 10 to 15 years. Um, basically, we had nothing short of a miracle. The, the state prosecutor who wasn't working with me at all, she wasn't working with us. She was like going for some numbers, football numbers. And um, she ends up getting married to some doctor and quits middle of the case. And all her cases get spread out to other attorneys, like her whole caseload. So the new, the new attorney who picks my picks my case up. He used to be a public defender with my attorney when my attorney was a public defender years and years ago. Oh, wow. And so my, my attorney comes and visits me in jail. He's like, all right, so I got good news and bad news. Uh, bad news is you're going away. Kind of jokingly, cause we already knew I, you know, good news is I got you a year over the minimum. 
So the minimum time you can get on that charge is three years. And so the guy's like, listen, I can't offer him the minimum, but I'll offer him a year over. So four years. And, uh, we looked at it. He said, if you don't take it, I'm walking, I'm out of here. You can, you're going to find another, like, you're not going to, it's not, it's not going to get better than this. So we, we took the four years. And, and so that's where my, my journey began, uh, 23 years old, going into Florida state prison, oh. getting shipped up on a bus with about 15 other inmates all shackled up, uh, shipped us up top North of Florida, six hours away, just in, I was actually in another time zone. It was at the very tipping part of top part of Florida, middle of nowhere. And uh, got off the bus and uh, you look at this big fence and this compound and you're just like, this is my home. Like, this is where I'm going. Like, I have four years and you have no idea, like, how am I going to go to other places? Am I going to get shipped around? You don't know who you're going to be selling with. What's like, what's in the dorm? You're just like one step at a time, one step at a time. What just like survival observation mode, just like, and uh, that's where my journey began. That's, that's where, uh, so you talk about facing adversity, like, all right, here we go. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. So, and now I can take this a few different areas, man. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the floor to you. Where do you want me to go with this puppy? Okay. So here you did a really good job at painting us a picture. So I'm, I let's, let's, let's go right back there. Let's you're, you're, I'm in, in, in my mind. Okay. You're getting off the thing. You're looking at it. In my head, Shawshank Redemption kind of style. <laughs> You're looking, holy shit! All right, I, like this isn't temporary. This I'm walking in. I got the chains. Walk us through that first day. Like the the guards, how did they treat you? How did you feel? What were you thinking about, bro? Yeah, man. The um, it's really unfortunate. Uh, there's some good guards out there, guys, guys, women who do want to see the inmates do well and do wish us no harm and wish us good. Like they're they're out there, but the majority are just. Um, you know, there's been studies that show people who get put in these types of positions, they, the power just overtakes them. And, um, the majority of guards are just brutal. And, uh, they talk to, talk to us and treat us like, like we're animals. Uh, so you go in and we're all chained up and, uh, they strip us down completely. Like you just feel, you know, you're in a room, just, you're literally stripping in front of everybody. You're doing like the, the squat and cough. It's just, you know, it's almost like they don't want you to feel like, you have lost your rights. They want to enforce it. They want you to feel like less than a human. Um, and so then after they give, uh, they process us in, we're classified, we're put in our whatever housing units that we're sent to. And then we're all sent in different units. So we come with, there was about 15 people on the bus. We all got put on different parts of the compound. And, uh, so make my way to the dorm. I got a big bedroll. I've got my my one bag with my hygiene and my basic, basic stuff that I have, my one extra pair of clothes. And so I'm toting this over here. I have a big bedroll up here on my shoulders and I'm walking and, and the walk itself is just like, you know, man, you don't know what, what's on the other side of this, this door when you get into the dorm. And uh, when you walk in, everybody is watching you. Like, so I, out of the 15 people, it was like me and like maybe two other guys got sent to one specific dorm. So it's like three of us. We walk in, go to the officer's window. The officer says, you're at bunk. So-and-so you're at bunk. So-and-so you're, so we go to our bunk, you meet your bunkie, whoever your bunkie is, or, you know, who, you know, however, and then you start unpacking and the whole dorm is just watching you. They want to see what you got in your bag. They want to see if you look like you're brand new or if you've been transferred from another prison, you've been down for a while. They're just like, it's just straight observation, intake, intake, and you get taught that's, that's how you're supposed to be. So as they're doing it, I'm doing it too. 
and how I was taught and got put on a little bit of game from some mentors, you know, people who have already been doing time that I felt like I could somewhat trust, you know, they said the first two weeks, just keep it limited. Talk to one person, your bunkie only, and just watch, focus on movements, observe the dorm, how they're acting, who, who's acting, which ways, who to, who, who's like red flag, red flag, the people to stay away from, you know, find who are in the gangs. Like you got to be really, really conscious. So that way you don't take the wrong step, talk to the wrong person, make the wrong move. That's going to get you jammed up or get you in trouble, you know, bring, bring, bring trouble to your doorstep basically. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I settled in and, um, that's what I was in just straight observation mode. And I'll, I'll share something with you real quick. What's interesting is before I went to prison, I had a phone call with my dad. I'm in county jail, right? So we'll go back to county jail. I told my dad, this is before sentencing. I said, dad, I, I don't know how much time I'm going to get, but I want you to know that I really, really want to change my life. Like I, I, I don't, I want the exact amount of time I need to change my life. Not a day earlier, not a day later. So I went into prison with this intention of transforming, right? get into prison. We end up, I end up getting the four years. So now fast forward, we're back in that dorm. Now I still have the intention. I, I left with the intention. I had the intention to change just like a lot of our listeners right now have intentions to get something done, writing the book, starting the podcast, launching the business, losing the 10 pounds, fixing the marriage. We set the intention just like I had the intention. But then the problem is, is that if we don't have a game plan to follow, if we don't know how to, how to get that intent intention fulfilled, we end up going back to what's comfortable or staying where we're at. We end up reverting back to our means or staying where we're at, getting the same results, and we get frustrated, and it's that cycle. Nothing, nothing changes. The intention isn't enough. And so I came in with that intention. I'm in this new dorm, and I had the intention, man. I had the intention. I had the intention, but I got pulled down. I got pulled away. And I got, I got basically, dude, I wasted the first six months of my time in prison. I started smoking cigarettes, started selling cigarettes, I started hanging with the wrong people in the dorm. It's like I forgot what I was there to do. I forgot the intention and I got pulled. I reverted back to what was comfortable, what I knew. And it took me six months before I woke up. I ended up getting in a couple fights. We had like a gang. We had some gang stuff going on and I wasn't even, I never got involved in a gang and I was tr getting pulled in that direction. I was like, yo, Eric, you got to do something, man. You got to make a change. You got to do something or you're going to waste this entire four years. You're going to come out of this quarantine. <laughs> you're going to come out of this quarantine the same way that you went in if you don't do something different. Yeah. You know, and that six month, that six month mark was a wake up uh, point for me for sure. What was the thing that woke you up though? Was it violence? Did you get thrown in the hole? Like what? what yeah. Was yeah. So we, uh, we basically, we had a bunch of fights broke out. A lot of people got moved around. A lot of guys got shipped out. Um, we had like a, our dorm was on the verge of basically like a racial riot. Wow. And, um, I ended up in the hole under investigation. They dropped the charges, but I was under investigation. Um, and it was 56 days. So I was in a hole for 50, I was in 56 Dude, days. You talk about isolation. Here. You talk about quarantine. I only left that cell and there's no, there's nothing in that cell. When you're in the box, you're in the box. There's nothing there. I was in there for 56 days. The only time I left that cell was to get handcuffed, walk out of the cell, get escorted down to another cell, get put in that cell to take a shower, come out of the shower, get handcuffed again, go back to my cell and then get, I take the handcuffs off. That happened three times a week. Other than that, I was in that cell. Oh, pacing back and forth, 
you talk about, you talk about quarantine, you talk about isolation, you talk about like hard time. It was brutal. But I'll, let me just, let me just share what I did with you for that 56 days, man, because I was lucky yeah. if I got a, I was lucky if I got a book, lucky if I got a book. So it was, and I, you know, for me, it was, um, it didn't happen right away. It was a lot of working out. It was a lot of just thinking. Um, but at one point I started creating businesses and I just remember like pacing back and forth in that cell, walking three steps, touching the wall, walking three steps back, touching the wall, walking three steps, touching the wall over and over again. And I was creating businesses. I was a multi, multi-millionaire. I had a, I had like 10, 15 different lawn care uh, trucks, different, you know, all, all my different crews out doing lawn. I had a bunch of pressure washing uh, businesses, um, I, vans. I had, uh, I had some type of like office set up moving uh, furniture where you bought like mass. If you were like a big call center, we would come in and completely uh, build you out what you needed with the cubicles and everything. And um, I had multiple and I was just creating businesses in my mind. And um, I mean, like, what, what can you do? Right. But it was during that 56 days that I had the thought, Eric, if you don't, when you get out of there, whenever they let us, let me out of here. When you get out of here, if you don't do something different, when you go back on that compound, you're going to end up going in the same stuff, doing the same stuff, getting the same results. You're going to come out the same, if not worse, at the end of this four years uh, if you don't change. And so that was the big wake-up point for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so. Wow. That's, so in, that, in the hole, what skills did you develop to get through that shit, though? Because – like what, what, what would you do, man? Like, how do you stay sane in that thing? Like, like, how do you, did you, did you come up with some things that, that put you in some sort of peaceful state that you took out of that or, or was it just, just, yeah, I was I wasn't meditating at that time yet. I hadn't been introduced to, to meditation yet. I hadn't been introduced to really even personal development yet. That happened literally right after I got out of the hole. So this was just basically like, you know, I, I was raised faith-based. So a lot of, a lot of communication with God, um, creating the businesses, uh, vision for just something better in my life. Like it was just, it was just knowing that at the end of, out of this cell was a compound and the compound was an opportunity. So it was like, it was like steps. It was like, I knew that outside of this cell, I had however much three in years and some change to go three and a half years, whatever I had left. Um, I knew that I had this time was my opportunity. So I just had to get out of this cell and then I was going to step into the next phase. And then from there, I knew I just had to make it out. I just had to make it through the time and then I was going to get released. And then I had my opportunity, my second, you know, another chance to live life right and, and create all the success and, and make this impact that I, that I, in my heart, I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. So it was like that one step. I just got to get to this one next step. And so it was, it was having that sort of vision, I think is really what, what got me through those days that and a lot of pushups. Yeah. So what was the, okay. So you, let's say you've been there two years. You can kind of see the end. You're kind of getting used to the life there. Well, I don't know if you can get used to it, but you're kind of, you're there, right? You're yeah. in the middle of it and you're thinking, yep. okay, I got two years left, you know, walk us through kind of that last bit. And what were some of the things you were thinking about that you wanted to do and what did, what did the, what did the you in that position look like and how different was it from when you walked in there? Oh man. Two year mark was night and day. I had about a year and a half of like 
obsession over personal development, reading a book a week. Um, I was, I was a whole, I was at that point already like completely different. Um, still a lot more growth happened. Uh, but, but by that time it was, it was definitely, I'd say night and day, but, um, the two year mark, I had already started speaking. I discovered my hidden talent for speaking, uh, in Toastmasters. They had a Toastmasters in prison. It's called gavel club in prison. And, um, but the same, same accolades, same process. I ended up getting published in a newspaper for uh, a speech contest against two other prisons. So I was, that was a big win, a lot of momentum. People started recognizing like what I was, what type of time I was on, as they say, like, what type of time are you on? Like, basically, how do you do your time? Are you gang banging? Are you, are you using dope? Are you, um, like, what type of time are you on? And people knew what type of time I was on. You know, I never, I, I had to fight basically every dorm I got into. I had to fight in Florida. They call it a TOH. It's called a test of heart. And if you're not gang affiliated, you're definitely going to be TOH'd uh, unless you get to like a cupcake camp. And uh, so, so I, I, I was TOH'd. I fought, and luckily, I never got put back in the box. I never. There's, you know, there's ways to. A lot of guards turn their heads on that anyway. But um, so I was still like in the world. There's no doubt. But I was getting respect for who I was. People recognized what type of time I was on. And at the, that mark, people were starting to come up to me like, Hey man, what do you, I always see you back here reading and taking notes. What are you, what are you working on? I always see you getting up early after chit chows at four 30 in the morning. I, I would stay up. Everybody would go back to bed till first count. First counts at 7 AM. I would stay up and go in the day room because that was the one opportunity that I had where the whole dorm was basically asleep. And so I'd go in the day room where there'd maybe one old timer in the back drinking coffee, reading, a, re- reading this paper and I'm meditating, I'm reading, I'm, 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 I'm writing, I'm journaling, I'm taking notes and people like recognize that. So people started coming up to me. This is actually where coaching started. And so I was, I was coaching other inmates, but before I even knew what coaching was, I set up a mastermind in the dorm. Uh, our first mastermind I set up was, um, John Maxwell, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership was the first mastermind awesome. I did for 21 weeks. And I ran a mastermind with three other like-minded guys who were trying to, to, to change and, and, and wanted more. Um, and I didn't even know what a mastermind was. I learned what a mastermind was through, um, uh, Napoleon Hill's book, uh, was, was the first co- where, where I was intro- rich. Yeah. Think of Go rich was where I was first introduced to what a mastermind was. And, um, I told my brother, this was a little bit further out in the two year mark. But I told my brother, when I get out of here, I'm gonna be a therapist because I, I didn't know what a coach was. I didn't know there was such thing as a coaching industry. And my brother, he's a high performance coach. He's a successful entrepreneur out of Denver. He's my first mentor, my biggest mentor, my best friend. He, uh, he says, no, man, you don't got to go back to school. I'll show you. I'm going to introduce you to some things when you get out of here. Just stay focused right now and we'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you going. And, uh, but I, I thought when I got out, I was going to, speaking was on the horizon for sure, but I thought I was going to be like a therapist when I got out. Like I was going to help people psychology, like break down habits and stuff like that. So yeah, we were, we were definitely creating a lot of momentum at that time. Dude, this is fucking incredible. Dude. Like this is, <laughs> this is like, wow, man. So you would get up, you would, you would stay up and you would meditate and work in those hours. Like that takes dedication because especially in a place like that where you're, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to be seen when you're in there, but you got to seize what you have for later on. Right. Like what you're doing, you're planting seeds for later. Yeah. hundred percent. A lot of people don't have the foresight to understand that. They'll think when I get out, I'll start. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Right. 
And dude, that is so inspiring, man, how you're able to like figure that out and, and be able to shift because 99% of the people don't. There's no way. One, one of the biggest questions to piggyback on what you said, the biggest question that I asked myself at all times was what would future Eric be doing right now? Uh, how would future Eric be handling these situations? How would future Eric be uh, taking advantage of it and using his time right now? That was a wow. huge question that I always asked myself. Wow. And uh, so it's, we can do that now. And, and kudos to everybody who's, who's, who's doing what I was doing in there, doing it now, because I'll tell you, man, with all the distractions we have, it is just as hard, if not harder. It, it, has, its, it has its own things. Like in prison, why it's so hard is because 85% of the people in there are looking to drag you down. And you really got to be strong-willed and you really got to like be confident in what you're doing to, 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 to stand your ground um, and, and do your thing and do your time. But on, out here in the free world, I mean, man, if I don't have my phone on airplane mode in the morning, like I'm so quick to just grab it and it pulls me away from my, my morning routine, my deep work. Yeah. So we got to recognize that it, it's the same stuff. We got to be doing this. This is how we have to be living out here it's in quarantine too. We got to be taking and using our time, uh, to, to, to our advantage. hundred percent. Yeah. The phone thing is, is people don't realize what a problem it is because it's yeah. our phones, right? Like it's, right. it's a real problem, man. Uh, airplane be. mode. Yeah, it can be, it can be used as a great tool. It's a great thing, but man, if you, like you said, airplane mode, I I'm the same until I get my shit done. I don't turn it on because as soon as you turn it on, it's in the vortex and you're reacting, 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 reacting. Yeah. You go down this thing and before you know it, two hours have gone by and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> what? So I want to just, before we leave the prison stuff. Yeah, sure. What was the feeling when you were walking out of there and what was the first thing you did? Like what, <laughs> like I just, I just think about those are the things, like how happy were you and like what, what was going through your mind the minute you walked out of that place? Yeah. So uh, man, when I got out, uh, my sister and my mom picked me up. I don't think my dad was there. I think we, he, we met later. Yeah, it was just my sister and my mom. Um, we, we went back to the house and, um, I can't remember if I got food. One of the first things I did, we went out that night for dinner, I think is what we did. We got food that night for dinner. I don't even remember where we went. What I remember is two things when I first got out. One, I did a YouTube video. And I put a YouTube video up while I'm out on the patio and I was talking about like fresh out, I think like first day out or fresh out or something like that. So much, I was talking about gratitude and I had no idea about YouTube or anything. I just, I, I, I have, I have some videos up there and I, I am going to be going back Is on YouTube. Is it still out? Is it yeah, still, it's still out? It's still out. It's still out, dude. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I just got to get my, I got to get this message out. And, uh, so I got it. I did a Fuck YouTube yeah. video. Second thing I did was I got a gym membership and, uh, the following the very next day I went up and got a gym membership and, uh, yeah. So um, I was on top of the world, man. Oh, I can only like, dude, if you can get through that, you can get through anything. Let's be honest. Like if you, I mean, this must just be like a joke to you, this quarantine, <laughs> the what quarantine. Yeah. The quarantine. Like, this does, like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Like what a lesson, what a lesson of resilience. And to be able to actually grow when the, the odds are stacked against you and you're in a legit hole and a legit concrete, you, no freedom, <laughs> and then you still made it happen, bro. Like, wow. Yeah, it's, it's been a ride, man. It's been a journey. 
definitely haven't done it alone. I'll tell you that. No, for sure. And <laughs> um, so, okay, you had a great TED talk, and I highly suggest you guys listening to go check this out. How did how did that happen? And yeah. because this is something that interests me as well as like I really want to speak, and I I really I see people like yourself when you're speaking and inspires me a lot. So how did that process work? And walk us through how you created what you're creating right now. Yeah, absolutely. So same thing with, um, and I work with my primary business. My speaking business is awesome. And it's been so far speaking to our youth, middle, high schools, colleges. Um, I'm now kind of focusing more when we open back up on the entrepreneurial world uh, as my business is focused on helping entrepreneurs. That's the same thing though. You got to create a brand, right? Uh, it's creating a brand that, that, that you, like people buy you, they don't buy programs. People buy coaches, they don't buy programs. People buy you. So you have a very specific thing and the way you show up, your stories, your experiences, how you talk, how you hold yourself, your mannerisms, your jokes, all these things make up your brand. And so uh, for me, I how it started was with the speak off. Um, Ted, uh, sorry, Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn are the two owners of Adventure Reach. Uh, and they've teamed up with Dean Graziosi, Tony Robbins. They're like next level now. They are the go-to people for speaking, right? Yeah. And um, so they have a conference once a year called the uh, Reach Live, Adventure Reach is called Reach Live. And in that, they have what's called a speak-off. And um, so I had, at, up until now, I hadn't been focused on speaking. Um, I was introduced to the entrepreneurial world. And I had started a, my coaching business, which was like a hybrid of fitness and high performance coaching. I primarily worked with men, um, but, but had some women as well. But that, that was like what I was focused on as far as trying to get out of my nine to five. But the speaking got presented to me and my brother's like, dude, you have to do this. We're like four months away from this thing. This, this, and I was just going to attend. I was going to attend and start planting the seeds for the speaking. He's like, you got to speak, man. It's like $2,000 to, to entry for, for the ticket. And my dad's like, yeah, you got to, my dad's like, we're at a dinner. It's us three. My dad's like, what happens if he wins this thing? And Jeff's like, oh, it's going to be a game changer for him. Like if he wins this, it's going to be a game changer. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we sign up and there's a hundred contestants. You send in a three-minute video online. They slash 50 out, gone. So I made it past the first round. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we're, I'm going out to Denver, and the semifinals, there's 50 people. Semifinals, you are the, on the second day, I believe. And uh, it's, you're in front of the judges. And so I, again, gave the three-minute talk. It's your signature talk basically boiled down to three minutes. And uh, the name of my talk is From Prison to Purpose. Um, uh, and awesome. so... I gave the three minute talk and, and, uh, it's interesting. I dropped my lines on the, on the first time, but that wasn't judged. It was like, uh, to get some feedback, dropped my lines and Pat Quinn, he's, he was the guy giving everybody feedback. He's like, listen, Eric, I'm going to give you two suggestions. One, insert a joke. Cause you got a really heavy speech. And if you're speaking that has a lot of depth and pain and like, you gotta, you gotta let the crowd breathe. Uh, so he's like, insert a joke. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome feedback. That was awesome. Okay. He's like, don't drop your lines. If you don't drop your lines, you have potential to win this thing. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So I left, I ended up going like that afternoon in front of the judges for semifinals and I didn't drop my lines. What do you I, mean by dropping your lines? Like, dude, I froze. I forgot my oh, lines. Okay, okay, like you, okay. it's a three minute thing. So you have your entire yeah. thing memorized. Okay. Gotcha. So I dropped my lines. And so 
I made it, I didn't, I didn't drop my lines when it counted when I was in front of the judges. So semifinals, I, I went through, now I'm in finals. Finals are top 10 and you actually speak on stage, crowd of like 700 people. Um, and it's, I'm going to up against like six, half of these people are six figure speakers. They're all professional speakers that I'm up against. And here I am like a year and some change out of prison. Like, no, I've never been paid to speak. I've only <laughs> spoken prison. And, uh, so I go up and they give us an additional two minutes if you're in the finals. You can either use it or you don't. And I used it, which is I threw, I threw something together that night. I threw in a little just to beef it up. And um, so we presented the following night in the finals. And um, I ended up winning, man. I ended up taking, uh, wow. taking first in that thing. And from there, I was able to get a TED Talk and land a whole bunch of podcast interviews that, that you know, gave me – started boosted authority and whatnot, helped get the message out. But that's how the speaking really started to take shape, right? Um, what I want to say is if anybody's interested in speaking, definitely put yourself in those situations because if I didn't act on it, I wouldn't, that would have, I wouldn't have won that year. I wouldn't have got the TED Talk, everything. I mean, not to say I couldn't have later, but it wouldn't have happened that year. So one, put yourself in those situations, just do it, right? But second thing is you don't have to like you just getting involved in the speaking space in some capacity, starting to reach out to podcast hosts, sharing your story, starting to reach out to people who do virtual webinars, retreats uh, that are looking for some people to fill in the gaps, uh, naturally, probably lower level at the start. Those steps are going to start to give you some momentum and some clarity, right? Um, so if anybody like, don't feel like you have to go win some speech contest to make it happen. That's not the case. Uh, but for me, that's, that's what really gave me momentum in the speaking, uh, with my speaking business. Yeah. Would you recommend Toastmasters for people? Toastmasters is a great starting point for, um, if you're absolutely brand new and you just like, let's say you're, you have a fear of speaking, uh, Toastmasters is, or let's say you have an interest in speaking, but you just don't know any of the mechanics. Like you are wet behind the ears. Yeah. Toastmasters is a great entryway, uh, beginner level for sure. Very interesting, dude. What about, uh, you, you got, you got a, you got a book in you, right? You definitely got a book in you. We, we talked about that. We talked, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, yeah, yeah. I've been, that's been on my, it's been a thorn in my side for yeah. quite some time. Cause you don't know how many people like Eric, dude, you got to write your book. My, my mentors, my coaches, dude. like, you got to, man. You could write a whole book just on your, your time and then you can have another one on, on whatever, man. Like it's yeah, I know. You tell your I, yeah. story, dude. The way you tell it, I felt like I was in it. appreciate that. Yeah, that's, yeah man. Um, I, I definitely want to. I, I guess I just haven't. I've been so focused on my business yeah. and adding value to my clients that – and that's long game like we spoke about. Podcast, yeah. YouTube channel, book. These are long game plays. These are plays that are going to set you up for five years down the road, 10 years, whatever. That's just going to build your brand even bigger. And, you know, so I, I see the importance of it and I want to do it. It's just, it, I haven't, yeah, it's yeah. just not priority. You only got so much hours in a day too, right? And like bandwidth. you said, there's always, yeah, exactly. Right. And you, and, and you got to go with what's working. And so let's, let's walk us through. So you said you want to do more um, coaching with entrepreneurs, uh, speaking. I want to be, I want to start speaking in the entrepreneurial space. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, I haven't, I haven't spoke. I, I've done, um, I spoke on branding to a college, but my audiences have all been students so far. Okay. So what I'm looking to do, my transition for my speaking business, although I'll still speak to schools cause it's passion felt, 
I, I do want to transition my speaking business more in the entrepreneurial space because it's going to mirror my coaching business. Okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just going to yeah, blend of course, together. Of yeah, course. Yeah. So where do you, where do you see people need the most coaching or help in, let's just say in the entrepreneurial space in general or what's going on right now? Like where do you see patterns where people are, people are failing or yeah. where, where, where do you see the most help needed these days? It's definitely depending on where you are, what stage of the business you are. That's huge. Um, one of the big things, so I, I primarily work with new coaches. So I work with people who have yet to hit their first 5k month in business and online business. Um, people who have expertise in various different areas, they have experiences, they have stories, they have, uh, the passion, but they're just not clear how to monetize that, how to turn that hobby into a business. Right. And so I basically, I'm a coach for coaches, new, new coaches. Mm. And one of the big things I see and a gap in the, in the space is people go out and spend like, I don't want to drop any big names here. You've had some big names on your show, so I don't want to drop any big oh, names, yeah, but some right. of these, some of these bigger name people, they have so much money to throw into ads and create yeah. these courses. And there's, there's tons of value in these courses. I'm not saying these guys are ripping people off because they're not, there's tons of value. There's tons of strategies, but what I see a lot of my clients and people who even maybe they're not a good fit, they don't sign up with me, but still we, I get to learn about them. One thing I see in the coaching space is you invest the $200 or the $700 or even the $1,000 and you get the video modules and you get the course and you go through it because you want to start your business. But guess what? These awesome strategies, the value that's there, it's not necessarily right for you and where you're at. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to build out things that you have no business building out because you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. You're missing the foundation. This right. game is not that complicated. If you are a passionate person with some level of expertise in an area that you can help people and not even everyone, just people who are a little bit behind you, yeah, then you can be earning money online. This is not, but you have to want it for the right reasons. Uh, you have to be motivated. Like, there are certain things that you have to match up for. It's not entrepreneurship's not for everybody, but what we're, what, what people are missing in this space, man, is the foundation, the foundation. I've built up two 10K plus month coaching businesses in two different spaces without fancy funnels, without a, leverate web, a big website, without running paid ads, without a huge email list, without a huge following. I have 11,000 followers, right? And I grew, you know, grew that. Yeah. It's the foundation that matters. It's the service. It's the hardest service. It's the showing up consistently. It's the getting your, your main components down the branding, the marketing, the sales, the main core things that you have to have down, right? And so I yeah. think a lot of people are going wrong is like they're using strategies they're seeing other people doing that's not right for them. They're turning their wheels. They're taking action, but they're not getting results. But that's the reason why they're not, they don't have the foundation down. So that's, that's one yeah. thing. I mean, there's a lot, but there's, that's one thing I'd say. That's great. That's great information, man, because you're right. It's, you got to get the core foundation going and I also believe as well is that you, you kind of, it's, you got to prove what your model to a bit, you know, it's like, yeah. you gotta, you, you gotta sell, you gotta prove what you've done already. Or, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people selling things that they've never done themselves. Yeah. That's, that's, right? that can be, yeah, that can be challenging for sure. I, I had someone ask me, he's like, do I have to recently, he's like, do I have to have a whole bunch of people that I've already helped in order to have a business? And I said, I mean, technically, man, you got yourself through this yourself. Exactly. So you can like, but it's gonna, you have to definitely, 
Yeah. You got to, you got to get one. And then you got to, you got to do a great job with that one. Totally. And that's, that's where you start, right? You start with your story and it's like, Hey, this is, but, but this is the thing. And, and Mark Lack talks a lot, a lot about this too. It's like, document where you're at, you know, like, yeah, here, here's where I am. I'm a, I'm new and I'm, here's my story. I don't know everything, but I'm learning. Right. And people like that. And sometimes you got to do a little bit of free work in order to get that a little bit of momentum. And then that's the thing is like, I love that is that there are, there is a bit of sweat equity. There's a little bit of like your own story. You got to like, you're getting, you're getting through it. And people see that. Yeah. Right. And you start to help people and it starts to build. And it's, um, it's really interesting. I just, I just, what drives me nuts out there is just like when everybody's an expert at stuff, and you're like, you're not like, you're not an expert. <laughs> yeah. You're lying. Like it, it bothers me a little bit, but then I'm like, you know, whatever. What, my, one of my coaches, uh, he talks about, you want to master good and then master great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to, ma- we got, we got small steps here. I mean, my yeah. first got four coaching calls a month with unlimited boxer access for $140 every month. Like, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, I knew that like I could help her. We got on a call and I, I didn't have any script. I didn't have any, con- you know, I just got on a call with her and um, she reached out to me uh, through Instagram and said, Hey, I'd love to get your help. Um, looks like you've created some huge changes in your life. And she knew, you know, my, I advertised my story. So it's, it was out there. And, um, so we got on a call and I said, yeah, I can help you for sure. I know. Yeah. So let's do it. And, um, I, I gave her a, that price point. I don't know where that price point came from, but that's where I started. And we had huge success. She dropped like 50 pounds. I helped her start her, uh, photography business, uh, huge men- mindset breakthroughs. And, uh, she worked with me for like six months. That was the first client that I had and yeah. I still know her to this day. We still chat. And, uh, so yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, for me, I, I love people that are just, just true and honest where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. like it's huge. And I think that's great marketing too, man. Yeah. I people mean, like, why, people love that. Why, why? Like the more you try and be better than you are, of course, there's a little bit of like imposter syndrome you need if you want to become successful, right? Like you have to, if you're doing things you've never done before, like Seth Godin talks about this too. It's completely normal. Mm-hmm. You're doing stuff that you have to put yourself in future future position like you were doing in prison you're like what would the future me be doing yeah and you have to have some degree of imposter syndrome i and- love that you put it like that man yeah. i don't I, I really haven't heard it like that i lo- like normally normally imposter syndrome when i when i've heard it where i co even when how i coach on it so i'm probably going to take a little bit of this from you right here for because what i coach on it is i i talk about how to get rid of the imposter syndrome or how to at least address it yeah but i love the fact that you're how you're spinning that and saying that is you have to have it you kind of have to have it. It's going to be there. Um, yeah. I just love how you position that. That's really good stuff. Because you're hundred percent on. I, um, I just, I think we, we try and shy away from it. Right. Because I think it's conflicting information because when we're reading books and we're, you kind of have to be that person beforehand. And I don't think imposter syndrome is a bad thing. If you're just being true and you're, you, there has to be some degree of being the next person you want to be. Because yeah. if you're exactly the same as you're, if you're doing the things that that person did before and they weren't successful, then you probably are going to stay the same, yep. right? Yeah. So yeah, man, I, um, I've, I've, I've thought about that a lot and I, I thought about that a lot in the podcast world uh, because I go through it too. You know, I, 
always compare myself like you know the lewis howes the joe rogans it's like i'm not i'm not worthy to to interview this person or this person why would they talk to me i can only imagine how you felt when you had your first big name on because you have some you had some solid names on this show man so i can only imagine when you got your first big name what type of imposter syndrome what type of (laughs) nerves like like it's still it still happens man like i remember when i got on with grant cardone i was nervous dude i was nervous but but then i just try and really like they're just like me they're just further ahead a few and i'm i just try and bring them down to reality as fast (laughs) as possible like i try to just be like look i can either fucking try and worship this person or just talk to them like a human and i just try and i guess it's the athlete in me too it's like i played with a lot of amazing you know a lot of guys who went in the nhl and made it professional so i've rubbed shoulders with successful people so i try and put myself in that mindset like hey mm-hmm. i'm i'm on your level man all right like, yeah i love that <laughs> that's go- you're dropping gold for all the po- people that you know podcast uh, podcasters out there right now you're dropping it's some really so- good uh <laughs> some thought patterns Thanks, bro. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, there's times where I'm like, shit, I hope they cancel. I hope (laughs) like, of course, in my head, I'm like, the thing that, yeah, you know what I'm like, the self-sabotage of like hiding, like, oh, I'm scared. And it's like, but I tell you, man, and this is what, this has been one of the best, this thing has been one of the best personal development tools for me. Cause when I finished that interview, I'm just like, there's this rush of bliss and, and this rewarding feeling that is just like, there's no other. And it's probably what you get when you do a speaking event, right? Speaking for sure. You get that. Yeah. For me coaching, it's very, what, uh, what we coaches do, we'll sign someone and then, or especially like just anything, we'll sign someone and then we'll question if we can deliver for that person. That's the self-sabotage. That's the imposter syndrome. That's all those thoughts. And you have to, that's something you have to work through because that's not going away. I've been doing this. I've had a lot of clients, both businesses, this has happened and shown up and I've conditioned it. You know, I'm in a place now where it doesn't happen so often, but you still like, because you, you care. You yeah. want to deliver. You want to. Yeah. You want this person to get results. So it's like they give you. They sign up with you. They pay this money, and you get this like fear. Like, well, shit. What if I don't give them the result? What, what happens? Yeah. And you just like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you? What are you doing right now? Yeah. And uh, so I help definitely help my clients with that. That's a big thing. And I mean, me personally, it shows up. But it's knowing that and going back to seeing the results I have gotten from my clients, yeah. and knowing that this is something that man I care about. Like, it's not something I'm just doing for money. You know, I care about what I'm doing. And so that just like you care about, you care about this podcast. You care about this interview. You could just like, you're in it. This isn't just like cranking out. I've gotten on shows where I've been interviewed where this, it's just like, I'm another number type. Dude, I know. That's not your, you know what? And I'm left feeling kind of like, all right, we did it. Hopefully the viewers get something out of it. But I I'm feeling, you know, you, like you can just tell you are in this thing. Um, and, and that's what it's. There's no, uh, it's, there's no coincidence why you've been able to get the type of people on this show that you have. It's because how you've been showing up and working through that imposter syndrome. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And like, you're, you're right. And that's one thing I really take genuine curiosity and interest in people. And I've been on shows too, where it's like, did you even listen to what I said? You just asked me a question that has nothing to do with, I get if people have set questions, but yeah. like, dude, sometimes it's like, it's the emptiest feeling and you're like this sucks man like you Mm -hmm. need to figure out how to connect with people because at the end of the day people can feel that in the listening too and 
even somebody like Tim Ferriss who has like different set questions, he does it in a way that's like really natural feeling. Like mm -hmm. that's the key, right? Yeah. And I, um, but this, the lessons that you learn in podcasting and interviews is just things that you need in all areas of life. Your relationships are the most important things. You know, you really want to add value, you know, in the person's life. You want to make them feel better than you did before, right? Yeah. And I've talked about this so much. Like when I was in bars many years, that was what I told my staff. It's like, leave people feeling better than you did before. And you've done your job. You've won because Dude. they came in, they've lift, you've lifted them up and now they're leaving. And that's, that's what they'll remember. They don't care about, they'll, of course, having a great drink or a great meal is great. But if they got treated like an asshole and you were an asshole, they're going to think that food sucked. But if you had like an okay drink, an okay meal, but you made them feel good and you brought them up, they're yeah. going to think that was the best experience of their life. And that's what they'll remember. Yeah. That I, I, we share, I was in the restaurant industry for all, all up until... Um, well, for the first, I don't know how long, but after getting out of prison, I was working at two different restaurants while I was building my, my businesses. And, um, that was the satisfaction I got was all from the, the, the guest leaving happier. And my, my dad, I get this from my dad. If anybody's struggling right now, any listener struggling with, um, uh, thinking that you don't have purpose, this is going to be really cool for you. Uh, so a lot of people attach purpose to their career or what job, you know, my purpose is to, you know, and they base it and they connect it with their work. Um, you know, so for me, my purpose has never changed. My purpose in prison uh, that I developed, I created this has stayed since getting out and it's been able to overflow and how I, how I show up in relationships, how I show up in my business. Um, and, and so my purpose isn't attached. My purpose is this every single day I wake up and my purpose is to make anybody and everybody that I come in contact with feel better about themselves or the world around them after I leave their presence. So if you're struggling with purpose or you feel like you don't have purpose, just, just seriously like create purpose based on your, how you show up in the world and how you're showing up for other people connecting like they, anything like that. Um, and that was a game changer for, for how I viewed everything and how I, how I acted on a day-to-day -day basis. That chip on the shoulder, there was, no, it, was, it can't be there. And I'm talking, it doesn't matter if you're the cashier, the homeless person, the bellhop. I want you feeling like, yo, that's a good guy right there. Like yeah. good energy, good dude right there. Yeah. And that's my purpose. And, and that, that, that overflows into all the other areas of my life. Dude, I love that. It's exactly the way... And it's amazing because you do that enough times that compounds, like it starts to come back Yeah, and you just treat, cultivate and just nurture the relationships and just put it, you know, actually care. Like Gary V says, just care. Like, yeah. just, and, and, and things, you know, and treat everybody with respect too, because you don't know where they're at. You know, you can't assume because somebody isn't, you know, uh, at celebrity status or because they haven't a certain amount of success or because they don't have a certain amount of followers that they aren't valuable or can't like really bring value into your life. And, and you could have this like synergist, this synergistical, uh, the synergy, sorry, I can't speak. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think a lot of times people, people really base their relationships on what can they get out of it? Or will this position yeah, them? Yeah, no, you got to switch it. And I've Add noticed value. it in, in interviews too, like people, 
dude, especially since I lost my Instagram and like now oh, it's, yeah. it's harder for me because I have a smaller following. Yeah. It's been a blessing for me because it's really brought me down. I'm like, okay. But I'm also realizing it's not, I'm developing a completely different following. It's like, it's way, it's more organic. It feels better. But I've, I've also noticed interviewing people that I can feel how they're, their energy, how they're looking at me because I can tell because they know I'm not at that status or whatever. So I feel the energy of like almost like a judgment feeling, but mm. then by the end I can feel them warm up to me and it's almost like they could, they high five me because we've connected and you've I've kind of broken down that barrier, but yeah. that feeling sucks, man. When yeah. you, when, and maybe that's a limited belief in me a little bit, maybe a little bit of both, but like you can kind of feel the judgment a little bit from people. People get a little bit more egotistical about where they're at and where you're at. So, and and you feel that. So I don't ever want to make somebody feel like that. I always want to be like, shit, you don't know what this person's gone through. You don't know what they're capable of. Fucking give everybody a chance because it's a long game here. Yeah, you know, yeah. Don't burn bridges with this person now because of this, because you don't know later on whether this, these are going to be the people who are the leaders later. Yeah. That was you one know? of my dad's biggest things. Don't burn bridges. He's taught me a few things that like we're, we're on, yeah. we're, we're relating back to the pops right now. That was one of his biggest things the lines that he always told me, Eric, don't burn bridges. Yeah. yeah that's, man. that's great stuff. Those are great. These are, these are some great uh, life lessons here, man. Do you get that with people though? Do, like, do you get like people that are had success? Like they're more known at being some sort of like, how I, do you I, deal I, with I, that? I, I tell you, I, maybe it's who I'm, uh, who I attract, um, who I spend and give my energy and time to in exchange as far as, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't really come across too many people that rub me the wrong way. There's, they're out there. And I just immediately say like, that's just, we're not, maybe we're just not vibing. We're not on the same, uh, frequency level, like whatever the case is. I think uh, I've, I have two phrases up on my whiteboard, uh, keep your blinders on and stay in your own lane. And that has to do with the imposter, imposter syndrome and getting pulled away and, and looking at all these people who have success and, and that can paralyze us analysis by paralysis, right? Oh, or paralysis yeah. by analysis. Yeah. And, um, and so it's, so for me, especially as I was starting out, because I'm like, yo, who am I? I'm a convicted felon. I'm an ex drug addict. Who am I to be coaching anybody? Right. And people like I got, I definitely had people, uh, you know, throw some things out there to me. I mean, I was denied from apartments. I was denied from jobs. Like this thing didn't just happen. And, you know, for a while I couldn't sign clients. I thought I was going to give up. And I was questioning like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? But it's like, keep your blinders on stay focused on what you're looking to accomplish. Stay focused on adding value to others. Just keep going. Um, and, and so, but going back to like, yeah, the people who I've really um, said I want to learn from or invest in, like they've, they've all been very humble uh, all my leaders, my mentors are very humble at their levels of success. So, um, you know, I think I'm following by example in, in that way. I love it, man. I think you're doing such great things and bro, like that story is powerful. And the, the fact that you can believe it, keep believing in yourself. And after going through all that, it just gives people hope because then it gives people the, the excuses just don't matter because if you can get through that, a lot of the stuff people are worrying about, is very small if we compare to that. So man. one of the biggest things I say, small steps create huge change. Mm. So wherever you guys are at, whatever intentions that you you want to set for your life right now, whatever, wherever you want to take your life, whatever you want to do, um, it just let's, let's, let's focus on the first step you got to take, you know, let's get out of the, let's get out of solitary confinement, get back on the compound. 
And then let's, let's make sure we're getting up in the morning and, and doing our, our med like it's one step at a time. Mm. Uh, and that's what I've been on since that's, that's the type of time I've been on while I was inside. And that's the type of time I'm on now. It's just like one step, you know? Yeah. So awesome, man. Where can we find you, bro? Where can we learn more about you and check you out? Yeah, Instagram at Salzenstein, uh, Facebook Eric Salzenstein. Um, website's getting redone, so but it's ericsalzenstein.com. And I, just shoot me a DM. Let's just like you want to connect. Let's connect. Uh, love to hear your story. Um, if you've resonated with mine, if you want to share uh, some overlap, or if you feel like I can help you in any way, uh, you know it starts with a conversation. Every bit of growth that I've had with my mentors, with coaches, it's all started from a conversation. Uh, whether I was at an event and I said, yeah, I'm gonna go and introduce myself to this guy, uh, you know, to this woman, like it, it, everything started with a conversation. So if anybody wants to connect, um, yeah, feel free to shoot me a DM. Awesome. We'll have all that in the show notes. I always end off with one, um, uh, one question. Well, actually I might tie in this to two questions. Okay, let's do it. Um, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? And maybe for the listeners, because I got asked to ask this question. If you had to gift one book to somebody, what would the book be? So what has adversity taught you and which book would you pick if you had to gift it? As adversity has taught me uh, that there is power in change and it's absolutely possible. And uh, it's an absolute gift. Your adversity is uh, it's your gift, but you, it's up to you to look at it that way. So um, this quarantine is, is a gift if we look at it that way. Uh, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. And there's power in change. So knowing that, knowing that you have to know that you can't change. I don't care how small the change or how big it is, but there, there's, there's a lot of power in that. And you, again, going back to those small steps, it's recognizing that you are hurt, your struggle, your, your story, your experiences, everything that you think is hurting you and limiting you and keeping you from whatever is really a gift for you to somehow grow or use to help other people or something. There's something there, but you have to, you have to look at it that way. You have to be able to view it that way mm -hmm. and then start taking the small steps to create that change. Um, I was sent two books. So when I reached out to my brother at the six month mark, I said, bro, I want to change. I have no idea how you got to help me out, dude. And he said, all right, I'm going to send you two books. I want you to read these two books. And then from there, uh, we'll get on a coaching call a week and we'll, and we'll get you your game plan. We'll get you going. The two books he sent me, uh, Tony Robbins, awaken the giant within and Timothy Ferris, the four hour work week. And I don't know why he sent me the four hour work week because I'm not going to automate anything in here. I'm not outsourcing anything in here. So it's like, why did he send me the four hour work week? It was such a good book. And I'm so, it's, it's interesting that those were the two books, business and mindset. Right. And now it's, you know, uh, they're just hand in hand. Right. Um, so maybe, maybe he, I, I need to ask him, I need to say, why'd you send me, what was the, was there something behind sending those two books? But yeah, I'd say for mindset, Tony Robbins awakened the giant within. Um, and there's a lot of great business books, but I, that four hour work week is, is really good. Yeah. Awesome, man. I, um, it's funny. I read that as well, but I read, um, Tim Ferriss tools of the Titans when I was kind of getting started. That was amazing too. Yeah. And yeah, those, there's a power in Tony, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, Hey, I'll share this. I, I had two big things. I said, I want to get on a TEDx. This is in prison. I want to get on a TEDx stage. I want to be in that red circle and I want to share the stage with Tony one day. So we'll, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if that, uh, we'll, we'll say when we'll see when that happens.
So. Yeah, man, me too. I'll be up there with you because that's <laughs> one of mine too. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, Lance. I appreciate you having me and uh, hope the viewers uh, got a lot of good from this and I wish everyone listening the absolute best. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to follow Eric on Instagram. Check out all his goods. He's uh, he's a heck of a coach and he's just go- he's, he's doing amazing things. Let's just be honest here. Um, and his story inspired me a lot. So make sure to check him out. Um, all his information's in the show notes. And also, guys, always please, if you can, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Smash that subscribe button on Apple so that you don't miss any episodes. I love you guys. I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.